Howdy, howdy, God Almighty, it's the Sweat Equity Podcast coming to you from Cigar City Studios in the Toco Works Office, that's short for Tokabaga Consulting. I'm your host, Law Smith. Uh, we keep the chair we keep the chair open like we do for Elijah at Seder. I think it's Seder. Um, for our old co-host, Caleb Fuddy. Maybe he'll come back. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, doesn't look good, but he's on to a lot of more more with the scouting block. So go to scoutingblock.com. Check it out. Check out his progress on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. We still love him. Uh, he's getting married and probably stressed out about that. Uh, this is an interesting conversation. It went from, um, <clears throat> uh, this is another one of uh, emerge, uh, Emerging Media's PR uh, uh, coordinator. Uh, was great and set us up with the uh, CEO of Advantages. Fran is uh, is great. Is she, we, uh, we have a really cool conversation. We could have talked for three hours. And uh, another one that got super serious and then back into kind of more businessy. But all good nonetheless. Make sure you check them out, advantages.net. Not .com, advantages.net. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's a lot of this. I mean, we basically – I'll, I'll – I've got a little something uh, about customer service, and I told um, I was using this uh, this scheduling app called Viral called Pinwoot or Viral Woot for Pinterest. Pinterest is a great way to market to females. Females make a lot of purchasing decisions. Here's a lesson on um, uh, on customer service. I tried to I tried to kill this service about uh, eight months ago. And they said, oh, oh, yeah, they did one of those things where they try to make it really hard for you to cancel. And so I basically just told them, hey, you need to cancel this. And it kept charging me. So I bas- I just had it through PayPal and told them, uh, this company's terrible. I'm not going to pay through PayPal. It's my own laziness for letting it go. But what they wanted to do is they want to keep edging you out. And they they won for a little bit. But I basically said – I want to make sure I tell everybody how not to use your business. So thank you very much. Do not use anything. If you are a digital marketer, you know anybody that does a lot of Pinterest marketing, do not use Pinwoot, Viral Woot, any of that. Uh, you can't, it's gonna, they're going to make it real difficult to exit that service. Look, treat people, treat people as good on the way out as you do on the way in. And I think that's kind of a valuable lesson. I learned that from uh, guys a lot smarter than I am. I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of stuff on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not coming up with this organically. It's basically, I just, I take a lot of recipes from other smarter people than I am. Uh, I'm not sitting around thinking of business theories all the time, even though I think I have some on my dry, my dry board that looks like John Gruden uh, had a seizure basically going through plays so anyway sweat equity podcast let's get into it make sure to rate review uh give us a five star on itunes if you like it and hopefully you get something out of it put some comments out there i'd I'd love to hear them and i'd love to uh we want to connect maybe i'll put this um this video out on our our facebook page the sweat equity one and um i'm excited smooches
sorry. I, I see the, you. I have the wrong browser up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I see you. So you so you can record, you can get the video and the audio out of this? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. How do you get the audio out? Well, if I get the video, I can extract audio. I was that's just going to say, I think that's how we do it. Yeah, yeah, it's you can do it in a quick time actually. Right. I've been using that a lot more to screen share a lot of the nerd stuff I have to show clients. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, we just get into it. It's not, there's nothing crazy formal about, about our show. It's really about, uh, I don't know if you got to listen to any episodes or anything. Uh, I have. I've done a little bit of homework. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, some people come into it super blind and are like, we, sometimes it's an awkward conversation. <laughs> Sometimes it's, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get into it, but, and I, I appreciate you taking time out, you know, to do this. Uh, Kayla over at Emerge, Emerging Media, uh, you know, she's been great about kind of connecting me with uh, their clients, you, obviously. Right. I guess tell, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I did a I did a simple search, but I mean, that's not going to really tell the story. <laughs> um, you know, I have to say there's, um, I'm a little bit of an open book, so there's an awful lot about my story um, visually and verbally it seems to be sprinkled over the net. Um, it's like, well, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> well, so the story, so the, the podcast is really about, it's about two things. It's kind of like, uh, I, I didn't like, um, I don't like the Silicon Valley podcast where they don't really give you advice. So right. part of it's about like realistic, pragmatic advice. You got up every morning at five and you did something, you wrote down a list of stuff to do. The other part of it is like, uh, how do you figure out what you want to do? And th it seems those are two sides of the same coin a little bit. Um, usually figuring out what you want to do comes first. And then trying to figure out these disciplines comes second. But sometimes the disciplines dovetail you into something that, you know, you didn't know you wanted to do until you got to a position where you could have that choice. Oh, that's such a chock full question. So. Yeah. I, I, so let's just start like, <laughs> anyway. what, what are you doing now? Where are you, where are you talking to me from? It looks like your office. Uh, what, where are you in this in New York City? Where are you at? So we are located in the heart of Queens, um, right across from Borough Hall. So we're like really dead center, um, the, right on Queens Boulevard and Union Turnpike. I like to say that I'm right like 30 feet from the EF train. So I'm 30 minutes from the city and I'm 12 minutes from either LaGuardia or JFK. And I seem to spend more time on planes than I do on the subway. But um, I don't know that I could work in a better location for me and my life and my lifestyle. And I'm literally, um, I'm going to say probably about a 15 minute drive east is where I live. So I'm, you know, I, I try to stay, stay somewhat close and off the beaten path from those who say, oh, we love working with your agency, but we don't really want to pay New York prices. So not that, you know, our script is less. Well, I, I use I use a similar kind of thing. We're in Tampa, not really considered uh, the tech hub, but I mean, like, I'm the same way. I do stand up at night, uh, and I've been doing it for about ten years. And so, like, I've a, a weird kind of 
I don't know many people that are doing what I'm doing necessarily, kind of doing the small, medium business consulting mixed with digital strategy, uh, as well as doing stand-up at night. I think they both kind of complement each other. But I always say like, yeah, I'm out of Tampa, but I'm, I'm out of, it doesn't matter. As long as I have internet, it, it, it never really matters. You're, you're, you're trying to buy into what I'm, I'm putting down basically. And sure. most of it is just trying to figure out a holistic uh, kind of idea for a client. So I don't think it's bad you're in Queens. I think that, that you flip that around into a selling point kind of. Totally. We, it, you, it works for us virtually every time. So it's it, not that I pay so much less rent in the city, but it definitely is, you know, like, oh, we, we want to be that sort of hip, you know, want to be at that really hip, cool agency. I don't know if you really could see the background. That's just like a teeny little piece of it. But um, our entire office is all whiteboards on the wall. So we kind of draw and we ideate and we make lists and we write customer stuff down and we use, we do a lot of these strategic things in here. So our clients, um, and they love it because like they feel it's like, they just, I give them a couple of colored pens and they just kind of go at it. It's kind of fun. Dude, I would, I will tell you the whiteboard, we have a probably a, I don't know, 15 foot by eight foot whiteboard. And that has become the most valuable asset in the office. Exactly. And I'm going to just, I'm going to do some, uh, there's dry board paint you can get. And I'm just going to paint one of the other walls in this conference room, conference room slash podcast room uh, that I'm in right now, because you're right. I mean, people want to free form a little thought, but it does help to have that visual. And I've been thinking about this kind of obsessively, Maybe I can get like a still shot camera with some lighting because one thing that sucks is like, we'll draw something out and then I'll take a picture of it on my phone, but it doesn't look good. And then you're like, uh, I still need to transcribe this. I know I want to really get that electronic one. Uh, have you seen that? I have. We've done a lot of testing with um, all that tech. I will say we even have like a really fancy zoom camera that, actually when we're in the conference room that we can give the viewer the control of it because if I'm writing on the left board or I'm writing on the right board and they want to zoom in, they want to see it, that's cool. Um, we've done some electronic transfers and things like that, but we've learned to take meeting notes with like a photo capture of the wall in order. And we'll write a little bit on each page possibly or just use those free flowing notes. You don't really have to transcribe them as like almost a documentary of the meeting. And um, we'll pull out next steps from there. I'm usually writing on another panel of next steps and things like that. So we've learned to, you know, play a little analog um, and digital and, and analog and digital hybrid. Yeah. It really has really worked for us. And I, I could talk to you about a couple of tips offline or I can share your viewers. Um, no, no, go ahead. Show, show away. Do so it. I'm going to say that the real trick for the whiteboard, um, sure, you can buy the $400 plus blah, blah, blah whiteboard, but you can also go to Home Depot, quick trip. Um, showerboard is a great version of whiteboard. So for like 13 bucks, a four by eight sheet and a really nice contractor, you can, you know, kind of edge it out with a little quarter round and, you know, or, some of that paneling like cupping molding and you can you can use it as paneling in your office which is what we've done we have like 1500 square feet of almost all whiteboard um above below floating desks so they actually if you can see in the view we've actually take we've taken gaff tape over there mm -hmm. um, and created a, a calendar so like we've got a two-month rolling calendar to see who's doing what what milestones 
what birthdays, what client things are, then they all go on there. So that's like a you know homemade drywall calendar that we use all the time. Well, and there's something to be said. Like I, f- I feel like I'm I'm losing a little bit. I need some tactile stuff to do every now and again, and I, I feel like I'm I'm becoming less and less. Uh, um, maybe energetic because I'm always on a computer or a phone. And so I, 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 I was telling my wife, I was like, I just need to figure, A, I need to like make myself go do some physical activity, which is sad. But B, like, I just need to like do something with my hands for like 20 minutes and I'll, I'll, I'll pardon the easy uh, masturbation joke. But I mean, like, there's so, I need to do feel something. Free, feel free, feel <laughs> free. Well, that's, that's what a lesser comic would do. Probably me later tonight at the Tampa improv. But, uh, but I'm saying like, I need to do something like I need to like build something or I need to like kind of do some arts and crafty like that. Just something to like, it, it gets your mind in this off that digital space and into that kind of creative space. But I think it helps that problem solving mind. I don't know if y'all have that kind of, kind of uh, thought process or any of that. We do. It gives everybody a little bit of a creative outlet. There are different places in the office that people can do things. Um, listen, it's really great to keep track of things and lists on walls. I mean, I'm looking up at stuff, you know. Yeah. I've got lists all over the place. Yep. Um, but it's great because there is some stuff that's pretty freeform. If you visit our Facebook page and look at some of our photos, we have actually a mural on one of the long walls of kind of like the history of advantages, like where it started and how it came out. It was really neat. Um, and there's a cool video that, that we did about the move and why we moved and to the place that, you know, how it became what it became. So it's pretty cool. cool. So what, what is Advantages? How did it become? How did it become? So back to the history a little bit. So, um, I, you know, if I look at the patterns of my life, like I've always been this person who always – you know, really strive to help others get noticed and achieve beyond what they thought was possible. And like what's really unique or what I tap into in terms of like my strength is I have just this intuition slash education that's been cultivated to help recognize what's super special about people, right? So my best friends, like they always come to me for that inspiration. Like you told me I was good at this. Like, could you help me understand? Could you help me articulate that? Or what does that really mean? Or why did you see that? Um, I mean, if you look in the early days of my life, oh my gosh, I taught Hebrew school and I was the best tutor around to, for those bar and bar mitzvah lessons. I was the most sought after. So like, okay, I could pull their talent and get them to focus so that they could shine on their special day. Um, Interestingly enough, I had a phenomenal career in Tupperware when I was really younger. Um, All right. Random. um, Just helping, you know, women and wives and moms, like, be completely in control of their kitchen because it's, like, the one room in the house that we have control of the kitchen, we have the control of the rest of the house. So helping women do that or finding their inner peace of peace with that or, and helping them kind of do that. Um, I don't know. I've had so many, um, not so many, but like a bunch of little jobs before I actually jumped in at a very young age with my own business. Um, I actually jumped in and helped my, my husband. Um, we met when we were gosh, in high school and we were best friends. And then I don't know. I, 
I threatened not to be his best friend anymore. So he goes, no, no, we have to get married because you're always going to be my best friend. So we, so we did at 20. And what the hell did we know? But we were incredibly fearless and independent. And he just wanted, and he loved money, came from a very wealthy family and loved to travel and was, you know, Italian clothes, gorgeous, six feet. And like he was just the ultimate consummate salesman. And before the days of, you know, we're going back 25 years now, um, you know, before the days of 9-11, I'll tell you why that's important, but, um, you know, you could walk into any building. You could schmooze up a storm. I mean, he used to go through 5,000 business cards in, like, two or three months. Like, I couldn't even buy 10,000. There was no option. <laughs> I had to keep reordering them. And it was amazing how quickly I watched him build this little business of, you know, it was really printing, um, kind of one and two color before four, four color was totally unaffordable and before staples really kind of hit the market. So we did a lot of like custom printed stationary supplies and things like that before, you know, all the, all the tech kind of came into play. Um, and then I came into the business after our second child was born and I was the get it done girl on the inside and he was the swab, you know, great partner on the outside and we just started building a business. Um, we started building a print and promotional business and then he took ill and then he he I mean he got cancer and it was a two-year battle that he fought all the way through unfortunately I lost him just about two months yeah it was June just before 9-11 uh, so I lost him in June and then after 9-11 I lost half my business so because we had so many financial companies down down downtown and I just kind of like I don't know I was kind of like struck I had no idea <laughs> what to do or what I was gonna do and that little voice he's like you're such a waste behind a desk get outside you know you gotta you gotta do this so I kind of switched roles and and just I spent about a year just trying to figure the shit out man sure say that it's like <laughs> say whatever you want yeah okay so yeah. um yeah it was it was like I stared out the window for about a year just you know, getting up every day and, you know, realizing my life was not my own, how to raise two children. I mean, my gosh, I was 33. Um, you know, it's kind of like weird. Nobody loses their husband after a two-year battle. It was just, it was just, it was just all awkward. And, but the world was mourning with me, but I was angry because, because it was different. They would look at me as a 9-11 widow and I wasn't. And I identified but couldn't. Um, that was a crazy day. I remember it vividly. I was actually supposed to go to a, a meeting downtown and I'll never forget when my daughter got home, she said, you know, mom, um, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, you know, it was really interesting. I, I had a meeting in the city. She goes, you know, if I would have lost you, I would have had no parents. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, how can I make this business work? And what can I do? And just drawing into my you know, my passions and I love the business and we did really well. I mean, went from zero to million in a, in a couple of years, we just kept doubling every, every year until we couldn't really double anymore. And then he took ill and I kind of maintained it and then we dove down and then I had to figure it all out. So it was kind of like a hell of a reset. Um, but I did it and I just, I kept building back up and trust me when you're 33, you've got your life pulled out from underneath you. And I don't say that for sympathy. I just say like, there's a strength in, in what you can do. You just have to find it and you have to keep thinking until you make it, keep believing it, you know, within yourself. Like you almost have to put yourself in this trance and believe that you can make it until you do. 
And that yeah. was a big piece for me. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're saying it for like, hey, woe is me. Look at how sad this story is. I think you're just giving it context for, for the listener. I mean, the yeah. good thing about doing this kind of podcast is like, is, um, you know, we're, we're aware there's other people listening to this conversation. So it's a little bit like uh, Terry Gross interviewing someone, you know, like on stage on a panel or something. They Like, we're aware that, I mean, this, it feels an intimate conversation and definitely, I always think business does get in this area with every successful person. There's always something that like, so, uh, not, it doesn't mean there's uh, always like something, um, some kind of heartbreaking thing like this that happens, but there is going to be some kind of hurdle to get over with every, with every successful person. And it, it's kind of that thing of like, how did you figure out how to kind of dust yourself off a little bit? That's, that is a lot to take on. It's a lot to just have two kids, even when you have a husband that's around in the city, let alone trying to console the kids. Then, go into uh you know single parent mode and run a business that you've taken over then lose half of it after something you really can't plan for like you can you can be the best contingency person of all time but there's nothing there's nothing that is gonna like that that you know business wise you know i make fun of a lot of my my friends that are like well i never saw the real estate market you know crashing like that and you're like yeah, you should be keeping an eye on the industry as a whole. You know, like, I know that kind of comes out of nowhere, but you should be doing your due diligence, micro and macro. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as, like, this, there's no planning for both, for either of them, you know? No, it's like if you're going to hit me when I'm down, just hit me when I'm way down because it's so much easier to get back up, even though you, in hindsight it's easier, right? When there's so much you know, sure, emotionally, I had to dig deep to figure out, you know, shit, how I was going to get through this day and, you know, do all the things that I needed to do. Um, but at the same time, the whole world was trying to figure it out also. So while it was, believe it or not, a little bit of competing interests, it just made it easier for me, specifically, to just, to just charge through and just figure it out. Yeah. Um, so, so what, what did that look like? You know, like, uh, you can, I, I want to hear like, you know, you don't have to get into like, I was miserable for four months and then kind of got my shit together. But, uh, just like that, that point where you just go, okay, time, time to get back to work. Maybe work is a good distraction. I feel like a lot more men are wired that way. I think than women, um, I know we're all the same now gender wise, <laughs> but, <laughs> or whatever the media, whatever whatever the media wants us to believe that the genders are the are the exact same uh, feelings wise emotionally. Um, I don't I don't buy it, but I do I do buy that a lot of guys, and I, I I'm definitely in this zone. If something bad's going on, uh, I'd rather just go to work and do something like get my mind off of it. It, it, it. To me, it feels like I'm going in a positive direction, you know? So what I can, what I certainly can share is that that's completely true, right? Guys definitely do that. Women, um, at least in my experience in the last couple of years or decades, if you will, I know I'm only 30. Um, <laughs> I, what I can really say to that is that it, it was a fight every single day. And I hated the people that said, well, at least you have work. 
oh, at least you can bury your head and work. And I was like, are you kidding me? I have to fight to survive in every sense of the word. Not only did I have to figure out the business, like there were aspects of the business that I didn't know anything about. You know, my husband took care of that. I took care of other things. That's why we were phenomenal partners. We fought like, like hell, but we loved each other. We were super dedicated and we made a great team. The problem, you know, for me was that we never, we never separated business from life, but we were in our young twenties for God's sakes. Like, what did you, you know, this is, you know, you have the most energy you are ever going to have in your life. You don't realize it, but it's true. And it was just like, I, like I said, I, I hated the people that kept saying, oh, well, at least you have work to focus on. I'm like, work to focus on? I had to figure it all out again. I didn't, I couldn't even coast. I was like trying to figure out how to make payroll and figure out where the hell I was going to get new clients. And I wasn't the primary salesperson. So I got, I got shafted from every, every single side. Um, and, and the truth is on some level, I did escape to work. You know, that's kind of true. Like I get that guys do that and I, I do identify with it. I it's like, Oh, I can't deal with the kids now. Let me just go to work or let me just come home and get them to bed so I can bury myself in work. There was no one else to talk to at night. It was horrible. Um, and you know, of course at 33, well, who are your friends? Are they single and never married? I had an eight and a 12 year old. I mean, like, come on. Like I, I fit nowhere. I would go to cancer survivor groups and I would end up helping everybody who was far more, you know, older than me or felt like they had it together just because of my own leadership qualities. And like, I'm just a take charge, you know, bull in a China shop kind of girl. So I, I just kind of persevered through it and somewhat numbingly, to be honest, it wasn't, a lot of it was, you know, um, trying to make the donuts every day. But if I didn't numb myself a little bit and I, I would cry, I would crumble over the tremendous, you know, trauma that I went through. So it was, it was a balance. I hated the people that said, Oh, you're doing this to escape. I hated the people that weren't there to support me. I pretty much hated the world. Let's be honest. Um, I would walk down the street under, you know, practically tearing under, you know, big Jackie O sunglasses. And I couldn't understand when I walked down the street, people didn't, see that big gaping hole that, you know, is barely scarred, you know, tissue covered. And, but I looked normal to everybody else, but inside I was a wreck. And it, it really took a while. It, it took, I'm going to say a good year. I think grieving in, in its entirety for everything you're going through, takes a year to repeat, to give you the distance, right? You have to go through the holidays. You have to go through the anniversaries. You got to go through the memories. You got to get a little distance behind it before you can, you can, it's not even take a step to move, to move on. You got to move forward. I got, this is a chapter in my life. It was, you know, I was married 14 years in a day. He wouldn't die on my, on our anniversary. He had to wait that day. I'm like, there's so many of these little things. So, but to be back on point, you just have to persevere. For me, it was about the perseverance and trying to find that. Where's my tribe, right? Where could I be at home? finding the entrepreneurs organization, being amongst business owners like me that experienced all the same problems was a godsend because my family didn't get it. My friends didn't get it. Were they single? Were they, the divorced women were angry. I wasn't, I was angry at God, not at men. It was just like a cluster of emotion for about a year and a half. Sure. You know, so, um, but I really tunneled that energy into my children to the best of my ability, but I really, I really pushed it into the company. Right, the evidence is kind of reaping it, you know, years later, um, in trying to understand. Well, we're a print shop. No, we're not. We help companies get noticed. Um, okay, so 
every time someone calls me for something and they say, Hey, I'm building a trade show booth. I need you to print me brochures. And I'm like, really, why do you need that? Like you're a goddamn printer. Why can't you just right. be a price in the brochure? But it would be a journey. And I would take them through this. I want to help you get what you need, not deliver a product you're asking me for. You're not the expert I am. Dude, you are, uh, you're singing um, the same song I am. Uh, the, the company I started, uh, we started this about 16 months ago. I was at another firm and I w- we would do the, pro- we would do, do the deliverable side like that, you know, and a lot of it was online marketing. Uh, that, that's kind of where my specialty is, was whatever, um, uh, Facebook advertising especially. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'd be doing this and I'd be like, look, I can send people to your website, but you're like, your website's going to have people drop off. You're not going to be able to convert. And then they'd be like, well, okay, let's, and then I'd go backwards and then be like, okay, let's do your website. Let's help you get something better than this. Most people don't need a robust website. They just need something that, y'all's, I went on y'all's, it's very clean, it explains what y'all do. Uh, and that's all you really need it to do. Same with ours. We're, we don't need something. I just need to kind of talk to people. I don't, I, and, and I'm not pushing for volume either. So it's not like uh, I got, I got uh, razzed for not having like a good SEO score. I was like, oh, we're not putting any money in SEO right now. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't, we're, I don't want to take on that capacity right at this moment. We're not there yet kind of thing. But, and then I go backwards and I'd be like, well, you don't even know what your, your brand is. And then, and then you go backwards even further and they're like, have you ever written a business plan? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what, what is the mission of this? <laughs> I can see this washing of your face, but it's like, do you have a mission statement? Do you have a, a, a three month, six month, nine month, 12 month plan? Do you have a, a three year plan? Do you have goals? Do you have core values? Do you, you know, these very one Oh business one one things that like, I'm finding out like 99% of the businesses I, I probably talk to do not have these things set up from the beginning, which is crazy. But yeah. I think it's that's- It's overwhelming to people, right? They're like, I-, I just have a passion for something. Why are you hitting me with all these documents and plans and things like that I know? And I see the- Because your brochure won't make sense if, <laughs> if you don't know what you're selling. Oh my God, stop it. I'm a printer. You don't need a brochure. You just need a kick-ass business card and a great way to make an emotional connection through your purpose, right? Right. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> make it good. And you're like, no, no. that's that. We can do it. And then you're going to be disappointed. Then the customer experience goes back to us where you blame us for not doing, for not executing. It's like, this got to be a collaboration at some point, you know? Um, so I, sorry for the mini rant on that, but it's something that, I'm trying to figure out how to explain to people without kind of losing my shit like a wrestler. <laughs> uh, with passion, it's listen. I get that you're passionate about this. We need some process. We need some plans. So, right. what are you thinking? Where you like? What's your vision for this? And they're like, duh. It's like, okay. So let's. This is when I bring them into my my strategic think and my whiteboard. And I'm like, okay, you you might not be able to articulate a vision the way other people would actually like to receive it. But let's get it out there. Like, why did you really do this? And why is this important to you? And why are you creating this company? Because if you have this passion, marrying it with this product or service, what, what, what good is it going to do in the world? And why should anyone really care? And if we can, you know, build that brand foundation, um, then we can, you know, really create almost all the verbal equity we actually need to to create all these campaigns to attract more of the like-minded and in different areas. 
So that's, yeah. by the way, how I transitioned. Um, I really looked at what I was passionate about and how I could kind of flavor this and sort of take over the company that we had started. So, um, you know, to me, this was like, I was never going to sell advantages. It's a legacy company. It's like, you know, my third child, my husband and I started it together. There's a super cool story about how we named it and all this other stuff. And how did you name it? Well, I didn't name it. I wasn't in the business at the time, but he did. So he called it advantages and he always wanted to give everyone an advantage. Mm-hmm. So like, that's just who he was like as a person, right? You, you know, at his, I feel like I keep bringing up the widow thing, but there was like 1200 people at his funeral. Mm -hmm. Like that's an insane amount of people. People kept coming to the house all week and telling me stories like of changing tires and fixing this and doing that. Like he was such a good person and he always like, they would give me the story and I'm like, what I found the common thread. I asked people to write letters for my kids so I could read them when they're older. Like the common thread in general about him in general was like, he just wanted to give them the advantage. So our two children, Avi and Devorah, are A and D. So if you look at the old version of Advantages, the A and D were separated out in a box. And like, this is his gift that he gave to the world, these two children. And he was giving everyone, not only his two children, but the, their entire advantage. So it's not a cool story. Um, and, I, and I kept it. I, I've been trying to rename it Get Notice forever, but Kodak just won't give me the URL and they don't do anything with it. Uh-huh. But, um, but that is for those listening advantages.net is your all's URL. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could do the, you could try to go creative. Sometimes it's like, does the country end in uh, advantages? Does it end in ES? Can we do something like that? Where the last two is dot ES. I, I've, I've messed with that a little bit, but you know, uh, at this point, dot net, when I, when I look you up, if you Google, uh, I'll have all your information on the blog post, but it, I Googled you and, you know, it pops right up. So yeah. We're not, thank God we're not hard to find. And um, when I had it, I met with Seth Godin a number of years back. He loved our version of the website then. He goes, .net, you're, you're doing fine. Leave it alone. So I'm like, okay, ever since then, I'm like, it's good. It's fine. People yeah. Um, and I keep my name, right? So my first married name is Biederman and my second married name is Gross. So I kind of ran Biederman hyphen Gross. There's my tribute on the business side to my late husband. So that's that piece, that's a little, little story there. Um, but going back to the, how I made it my own, cause we really were this little print and promotionals company was, I was just digging deeper, asking a ton of questions. And 2005, six, I met Simon Sinek. Um, Start with why author. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Great. I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in these little things. Just, <laughs> just if, if uh, Either I have uh, Tourette's ADD-ish or just to try to give the listener a little bit of that, you know, it's a good book. It, it, I, I've always kind of thought this way, so I've never – I got the book and I was like, oh, I get it. You know, like I've always – because of the comedian kind of aspect of how I look at stuff. So, but it, for a lot of people, I, I'm surprised they don't. That, I didn't – that to me was more surprising that there needs to be a book. Uh, about it (laughs) well he simplified the book it really is a communications theories and there's a a communication theory called purpose and there are a lot other more complicated reads on it Uh Um, but that's so when I met Simon um, at at one of his first speaking engagements after he sort of stumbled on this little golden circle theory um, of course 
the night I met him was a interesting story of how he asked everyone to bring their best marketing materials. And, you know, as a fellow marketer, he would critique them. And I'm like, Oh my God, our design's killer. We do great work. I brought my best stuff. I strategically placed it on the table and, uh, and like my be still my heart when he picked up my stuff to showed it to all like 80 of my close, you know, entrepreneurial peers. And he goes, this stuff is gorgeous. And it's just beautiful, but it speaks like everybody else, like everyone else. And you had to see me like just sink into my chair. And I'm like, do you know me? I'm like, no one else you ever met. How could you ever say that I'm like everybody else? I'd like, I had a heart attack and I was embarrassed at the same time. So I kind of stood in the corner and wait for everybody to talk to him and answer his questions. And then we got like deeply engrossed in a conversation to the point where I literally hired him that night to come help me diagnostically do my golden circle for me. And Oh God, that, that was like kind of really my Oprah Winfrey aha life-changing moment. Cause like he articulated all the stuff that I'd been doing for my whole life. The hard part about this new shiny toy that he, he gave me is that there was no rule book on like, shit, how do you implement this stuff? Mm-hmm. That's really where my journey takes me. Right. So I could articulate, you know, that advantage is going to, you know, well, get notice is the agency that takes companies beyond what they thought was possible for him, for them. Like that, that's, that's what we do. That's based on Fran's purpose and her vision for this company. And figuring this, this out, figuring, figuring this out was probably the hardest thing, most excruciating thing I had to do. And every couple months I would talk to Simon, we would redo my website and then I'd have to figure out what my elevator pitch was. I mean, I literally rode the elevator in the Empire State Building like for two days, for a couple of hours at a time, trying to make small talk on what my pitch could be and how could it be purpose-driven, right? We're a purpose-based agency that believes in purpose. When we can identify what your purpose is, cement it into your foundation, we can actually teach you how to build relationships with like-minded people. And how do we implement that verbally in everything that we do? And it took me probably close to two years to figure out what the process is on every, on, at, every, at every turn, right? So fast forward just about eight or nine years and where we made the Inc. 5000 list last year, we made the Inc. 500 list this year, voted, you know, best 50, top, one of the top 50 workplaces to work. So we're, we're getting the culture right, we're getting the growth right, we're managing all these strategies. Um, and it's just, it's just so simple, right? Follow your passion. Understand what you're, you're passionate about, be articulate it, be able to articulate it, build a foundation around it, and then speak that way all the time. And it's, it's hard. I, I, it's a simple process that I'm telling you, but it's hard. It's, it's not easy to learn. Let's, let's go into that a little bit more because I, I feel like sometimes I have to put on my own PR <laughs> hat, you know, when I'm talking to people. Um, and I, I, I know, I think part of our, our uh, voice as a company is that we're going to have a little bit more bite because I'm the head of the snake here. Um, and I, I can't, the reason I, I think a lot of the reason I wanted to have my own company is to be able to call out a lot of the bullshit that's online. And people are like, why do you want to get into this? And I'm like, I want to, I want to try, I want to, I want to see if we can bring customer service back to the, like back I shouldn't even say back, bring customer service to this digital stuff. You think you can outsource it, but if you can't communicate with these guys in Siberia or, or Pakistan or Indonesia, uh, and you're trying to get those kind of complex things, don't even, we haven't even gotten to quality control, but like, I'm trying to say like, 
most businesses, small, medium businesses don't need a crazy amount of stuff done. They just need someone to kind of sit with them. And, and a lot of my job is making sure entrepreneurs aren't crazy. They're like, is this crazy if I want to do this? I'm like, no, your, your revenues are great. This is the time to kind of get in this market. And they're like, okay, because I can't really ask anybody around the office. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, you, you're king. You're the king, you know? Lonely. Yeah, or queen. Right. Um, and so, it's okay. Oh, it's super isolating. It's super lonely. It's similar to stand up. You're by yourself. You have a lot of crazy ideas. I'm going to throw them out there and I'm going to have enough hubris to think I know what I'm doing all the time. Uh, and enough, enough empathy to see a problem, enough ego to really punch it through. And so similar to you, I told, I, I have really great uh, friends that have a lot of grit and I want them to be a part of this. I have two small partners that I brought on and I'm, I'm really pumped about it. But I, I was like, you know, this will never work because I'm, you're my friend and I can never be your boss. This has to be an entrepreneurial house. And we need to put you in a direction that is your direction as a startup strategist uh, kind of coach on the other side, a nonprofit consultant would be great. And you, and you all have your own things under this big umbrella. And for, for me, I feel like that's kind of a similar thing you were kind of talking about is like, it has to go on purpose and passion. But uh, what I really wanted to get to is like, I can, I can give this spiel to you, no problem, because I obsessively think about it. Um, but I feel like there are those times where you run into someone at these conferences or at, uh, at unconventional places where people want to talk business and you're like, I'm so drained. But I gotta, I gotta put on a good face and tell them like, and without being corny about it too. Like, I really believe in this business having purpose, and I know my face. I, I have resting bitch face. So like, <laughs> my wife tells me all the time, you look. People think you look like you're pissed, and I'm like, no, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about stuff, and I, I don't know what my face looks like. And so like, so I feel like when people are. I, I've had people like, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you because it looked like you're, you're going over something. And I was like, no, I, and then they start talking to me and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm already, my wife's like, God damn it. We're going to leave this party like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. And I'm like, what you got to do is you got to figure out what your fucking message is. You don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm already in like this zone. I don't feel corny about it, but there is a part of you that sometimes you just want to not, you need to breathe a little bit and I can see your face is like, yes. Uh, uh, like not all the time. Do you want to be the CEO? Sometimes you want to kind of kick back and hear ideas. And like, I think you have enough. Uh, it sounds like you have enough, um, uh, uh, enough, enough self-awareness to go. Like I, I do want to listen to other people kind of talk about it and not always be pushing our agenda. It's a so, lot of stuff. So, you know, um, you know, the number one thing about sales is really listening, number one. Number two, um, I'm not always the best listener, but I surround myself with better listeners, so I'm just smart. Uh, three, um, I've created a culture in here. I, I shouldn't say I've created. I've, I've set forth a purpose, right? I've created a vision and a mission together with an organization structure that totally works for me. It seems to be working because... Oh my God, we're growing like 771%, although, listen, it's a little hard to keep that pace up, but um, 
I've created a structure in that I have a leadership team underneath me and I interact with them and they run each of the departments. We restructured last year and I spend two days a month, 24 days a year, not taking client calls, pretty much between four and seven hours a meeting, working on the business, working on where we want to go. You, you can't, you always have to work backwards. I have a vision for something, really. Well, you think I'm just going to get there because I say that. So you have to plan it, right? So there comes the annual plan, comes the quarterly, you know, plans. And then how are you going to move those rocks into, into play? And then what issues come up and how do, you, how do you move those issues off the done list? Or maybe we have to rethink something. So all of those strategic things, you know, they happen. But it's about creating the environment, A, of trust and respect. And then surrounding and truly breathing our core values as a culture and living them. So I can honestly say what we do for our clients and the success that we bring to them, we learn those lessons and we apply it internally at the same way. So that's, that's one super important lesson if I could tell anybody. Like you have to work on your business as much as you work in it. And as you become more successful, um, and everyone defines success differently. I just, you know, as much as I'm, you know, as young as I am, as, as old as I am, as young as I am, they're different, you know, every couple of years, I want different things in my life. So how am I going to build the support structure around me to do the things that I want to do or I want to achieve? And what's really cool about rallying people around a culture of purpose is that you're, you're, you're able to identify like-minded people who believe the things that you believe and they be, it becomes their mission too. Right? My team will sit at an annual planning meeting going, okay, with a phenomenal facilitator, and he'll, the facilitator will say, okay, great, so what do we think we want to do next year? And he'll put us through a bunch of exercises, and we'll come up with this. I'm like, oh, my God, do you want to go to a $10 million agency? Like, you guys want to do that? Like, that's not even, that wasn't even on my list. Like, yeah. you guys want to do that? I can totally rally behind that. Like, I want to get there. Like, I dream about getting there. I just dream about getting there with all of you, not by myself. Yeah. And what, is, what, what does that mean too? Like it, it's just a kind of a, it's that weird goal setting number, but what does it actually mean in, in a, almost a, a satisfaction index, you know? For sure. And you know, the complexity of, you know, teetering on a million for decades and then going to two and a half and then five, it's, these are different levels of complexity. 